0: You know, God has a great plan for our lives. God knows the plan. God has the map for the plan. Our job is to follow the plan. And unfortunately, many times we find ourselves tailing off into some other direction and we find ourselves getting in trouble and trying to get gobbled up by the big bad wolf. Uh, But God's got a great plan for our lives. This morning, the title of my message is Be True. So if you have your Bibles, I ask you to grab them, take them up, hold them high. This is God's Word for me today. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to talk a little bit about this morning about really actually a, a faithfulness type of issue, about um, really following and, and being faithful to what the Lord has in our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 22. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. We'll read that out of the Message Bible. It says, Do not, or don't suppress the Spirit, and don't stifle those who have a word from the Master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, everything that we say and everything that we do and how we live, all should come back to your revealed word. And so, Lord God, may that revealed word come alive in us today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen version of that scripture at the very end there it says avoid even the very appearance of evil and so you know as we live our lives as christians we 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 have a lot to live up to don't we the standard is really high you know my wife and i've had this conversation many times about do we hold too high of a standard? Do, is, is it not, not, I hope you understand what I'm saying is, do we expect too much? And my thought is, I would lo- a lot rather expect too much, and when I get to heaven here, well done, thou good and faithful servant, than to lower my standards and to get to heaven and hear, hmm, depart from me. I've often heard many many people say, many pastors say that, you know, there, there will be people in heaven we didn't dream we were going to be there. And there will be people not in heaven that we thought would be there. I don't think we're really going to notice that difference as far as we don't have our, we're not going to be thinking it that way when we get there. But I believe that fact is true. But what we have to do then is we have to decide for ourselves exactly what standard do I want to live by? Do I want to live by the standard that God has set forth in His Word and know that if I do, I'm I'm there? Or try to live by some other set of standards and wonder when the time comes, will I be there? Not that I'm perfect, not that anybody that tries to live by that standard is perfect, but we have a standard that we're trying to live by. And when we fail on that standard... We know immediately what we need to do, right? When you took a test in school, well, at least back in the old days, I don't know about the new days, but you knew when you missed a question because there was a right answer and there was a wrong answer. And if you got the wrong answer, you knew it. You had to take care of it. You had to figure out why. A lot of times you even had to go back and you had to find the right answer and you had to write it on there. When you're living in such a way that you're trying passionately to follow God's plan for your life, when you make a mistake, you're going to know it. He's going to come to you and he's going to say, "Hey, listen, Terry, huh. that was stupid." Well, I don't know. My wife, my wife hates it when I I don't know that Jesus is going to work. Use the word stupid or uses that word. Um, Go say, "Listen, brother. Huh. Ah, you shouldn't have said that. Ah, you shouldn't have done that." that thought wasn't very good thought, or that action wasn't a good action, you need to get it right. And if you're really trying to follow God's plan, then you're going to recognize His voice when He comes to you and tells you that. And you're like, Oh, you're right, God, I am sorry that I did that. You see, David, according to Scripture, was a man after God's own heart, right? And yet David... Had an affair and had the husband killed, right? Am, you, you know, not in the book. But then, when the prophet came to David and told David this story, and David got all riled up about this man that took the last lamb and blah blah, blah and then the prophet says, "David, that's you." David repented. He recognized that his heart had shifted and he needed to repent and cry out to God, and God restored him. You see, when we are truly trying to follow God's plan for our life, even when we fail, we are going to recognize that failure, and we're going to bring it right back to the cross. Instead of running the other way, and say, "Well, I, I hear this, I, I hesitate sometimes to even say some of the stuff that I hear and see and read. Don't judge me because you sin different than I do. Well, if you're sinning, you need to take it to God, not worry about whether or not somebody's judging you. Because when you stand on judgment day, it's not me you're standing in front of. You shouldn't worry about whether or not I think it's right or wrong. Because I'm not standing there on judgment day. God is. So if it's okay with him, well, it's okay with me. But if it's not, brother, you better fix it. Not for my sake. For your sake, it's a standard that we hold that is God's standard, not, not man's. If we get so wrapped up in, in man's standards, we're in trouble. What do you think Jesus did when he, when he came in and overturned the money changers' tables? Why did that make him so mad? Because man had fallen to man's standards. Man had taken what God had ordained as good, and they had put their spin on it. And so now they were living by their standard. And Jesus, when he came in, he just turned it all over and said, Listen, my house is to be called a house of prayer. You see, the same is true in our lives. God has a standard standard. And when when the problems begin is when we start living by our own standards or when we start conforming our lives to man's standards. And one day we are all going to stand before the Father. And He's going to simply judge us based on our life according to His Word. Not according to what we thought we should do. Not according to what the church said we should do not according to what the pastor said we should do, but according to what his word said we should do. So now, I'm going to start in the sermon, because none of that's in here. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. God, thank you that they love me, because otherwise they'd be out of here. Be true. You see, here, here we see Paul and... And he's he's giving the church a reminder. See, back 2,000 years ago, you know what they were expecting? Jesus to come back. (laughs) 2,000 years ago, they were looking for Jesus to come back. Today, we're still looking because we know that the promise is true, and one of these days, he's going to come back. So let's take this today, just as the church did back in that day. You see, Paul here says... We need to be true, stand up for what's right, because time tends to cause us to lose our passion in everything. Now, when you got that first got that job that you got now, probably, you probably thought, man, this is the most awesome job in the world, and they pay me even to do it. And then maybe over time, it's like, huh, uh, is it Monday again? You mean today? I've got to go to work. And we lose our passion. And many times that shows in the quality of what we do in life. Sadly enough, that happens in marriage. It happens in church. It happens in life. So I ask you this question, if you have a car, which I think most of you do, and that car started, say, ah, three out of five days a week, would that car be faithful? Probably want to take care of that, wouldn't you? What about if you have a job and you have a boss and you only showed up four days a week and you're supposed to show up? Is your boss going to think you're a faithful employee? Mm, probably not. I would go even a little further than that. Because if you show up late every day, we're going to have problems. Of course, I'm always 15 or 20 minutes early, but that's a problem I've got. What about, okay, you go out and you, you spend I don't know how much money it costs to buy a beef, but I know it's not cheap. So you go out and you buy this beef and you have it all cut up and you have it frozen and you put it in your freezer and you realize, well, your freezer works about 80% of the time. Is that good enough? Probably not. Well, here's another good one. So you go out and you buy a house and you love this house. This house comes with payments on a monthly basis. And say you decide you're only going to pay it, oh, maybe 10 times a year. You think the bank's going to say, well, they pay 10 out of 12, that's good enough. No, probably not. What if you have a job and you pay taxes, except for every once in a while, maybe one out of two or three years, you decide not to file your taxes? Is Uncle Sam going to say, well, they, you know, two out of three ain't bad? You bet they are. And they're going to want you. Uncle Sam's going to want you. (laughs) Now, what about your relationship with God? Is God looking for somebody that's going to be faithful all the time? Or is he going to be okay if you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm good most of the time. I don't sin all the time. Eh, you know, just a little here and there. But God, you understand because I really, you know, you understand this one, God, don't you? Or do you think God's looking for people that want to submit to him and say, God, I want to follow you completely. And when I mess up, I want you to tell me when I mess up so I can get it right. It's just saying, God, I wish you'd quit judging me. You know what I think? I would rather God judge me now so I can get it fixed. Because mm. there's time to change now. You're going to stand before him, and I'm going to stand before him. And when I stand before him, he's not going to give us the opportunity for second chances. And it's over. Our time has passed. Let the Word of God judge you now. Faithfulness must be something that is guarded in our lives. You see, we need to be true to that fervor, that fire spiritually that we had when we first got saved. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. What, What does that mean? That means many times we don't want the Spirit to tell us when we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. We don't want the Spirit to point out to us our faults. How many love it when your spouse tells you your faults? Now, come on. Yeah. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, you know, once in a while I have one that needs pointed out. Once in a while. Once in a while. My wife's not here, so she can't deny or, you know, admit that. But once in a while, you know, her mother has taught her she needs. No, wait a minute. I'm sorry. And you know what what happens to me when my wife points out a fault in me first thing it does is I get just a little bit just something in me just kind of rises up and then I then I evaluate that thing and most of the time she's right again Now if she was here I'd say she's always right again but she's not here <laughs> But seriously, when I evaluate that, because because let me, let me tell you, my wife, this is something I'm 100% sure about. My wife loves me, and she only wants what's best for me. She wants me to be the best I can be. And so therefore, if she wants me to be the best, sometimes she has to point out when I'm not being that. <laughs> and so, Randy, if you want to be the best, no. It does, and it does, Rainy, I just didn't want to go there. But as a godly person, as somebody who loves our spouse, whether you're the man or the woman, you need to learn to gently and lovingly point out when your spouse is needing a little bit of correction. Too often we can't wait to tell somebody (laughs) they need correction, but a godly person only does so with reverence and with love and with compassion. And that's why we don't want to quench the Spirit. That's why we want the Spirit to speak to us. That's why we want the Holy Spirit alive and active in our lives, so that when we do step off course, He can gently and lovingly correct us, because He has nothing but love for us. He wants nothing more than for us to make it. And so, therefore, He's going to gently, most of the time, and sometimes not so gently because of our stubbornness, He's going to correct us back onto the course that we should go if we will just listen and we will just follow and we will just say, yes, Lord, thank you for that correction because I know that the Lord loves me that much. You see, even back in Bible times, there were those who were being lazy There were those who wanted to live off the group. See, they had a pretty awesome thing going because they 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 pretty much hung out together. They they ate together most of the time. They some of them sold all that they had and brought it so that the group could have money and they could have they could have food and they could go out and preach the gospel. And yet in that group there were some that were finding themselves that didn't want to participate in the work part, they only wanted to participate in the free food part. Those that were able-bodied, don't get me wrong, those that were able and willing to work at times would refuse. And so it's like, don't allow that slide to happen in your life, in any part of your life. In Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, Paul had this to say to those Thessalonians. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Parents, tell your kids. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. You see, God doesn't like lazy people. He doesn't like us to be lazy in life, and He definitely doesn't like us to be lazy in our spiritual life. If we're able to work in life, we need to work. And if we're not, God understands that. I'm not talking about people who, who can't. That, don't get me wrong in the bit. But the same is true in our spiritual life. God expects us to do what we can. Don't worry about what you can't do. Oh, well, I can't preach, and I can't teach Sunday school. I'm just not gifted in this. But let me tell you, there is something you are gifted in doing if you will apply yourself, if you will Listen. God always has something for us to do, but we sometimes allow that slip and that slide. Maybe we've been saved for so long. When I came down to this church 11 years ago, Kay Lee, who had been a a Christian for a lot of years, I said, Kay, can you teach Wednesday night Bible study for a while? Well, she said, oh, pastor, I will, but I won't be as good as you. I said, no, that ain't what it's all about. It's your willingness to serve. I wasn't ready yet to take over all these things that God was laying on my plate, and I just needed a little help. And you know what she did? She, As long as I wanted her to, she talked. She never complained. She never said, oh, pastor, I just don't want to do this anymore. It was just, pastor, whatever you need. I don't know how many times I heard that from her mouth. Whatever you need, pastor. You know what? That are, that's music to a pastor's ears. Whatever you need, pastor, and I'm not, I'm not picking her out because you know I'm related to her because her kids are sitting in here. I'm picking her out because that was her. Now I've got some others in here that I hear that from now, and I won't I won't point you out either. But you know who you are. What, what, whatever you need me to do, pastor. Though that is music to the pastor's ears. Why? Because it shows a heart of servanthood and faithfulness. God. You see, what happens in this slide, this loss of fervor, this loss of passion for the gospel is, is we begin to lose our passion in church. We begin to lose our passion for worship. We begin to lose our passion for sharing the gospel. We begin to lose our passion to even be in the house of God. We begin to lose our passion to give. We begin to lose our passion to serve. Paul warns of this danger. We see in Revelation, John the Revelator says this. Revelation chapter 3 verse 16 says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You see, what was happening in the church was the lukewarmness. There's a little bit of misunderstanding about this passage on the lukewarm, on the hot and the cold. And, and we won't go into I don't have time to go into all that. But the fact is, what we're seeing, and what they were seeing in that day, what John was seeing by the revelation of God, was, was a people who no longer had value that they should have had in the church. They weren't good on either end. I think sometimes we, we like to just live in the middle who i don't want to i don't want to get too riled up about god i'll just i just sit here and i'll just you know i'll just show up once in a while and that will be good enough it's not about whether or not it's good enough for me or those around you it's good enough for god Illustration, one little boy attended a cold church one day, and after returning home he prayed, Dear God, we had a good time at church today, but I wish you had been there. I've been to that church before. Oh, wait a minute. Sometimes, and you know me, you've been around me enough, you know that I'm a little bit, just a little Pentecostal. I like to shout. I like to sing really loud, sometimes off-key. I like to really confuse the worship team by singing the wrong words. And they just grin. God bless their little hearts. There's some songs that they even look at me knowing that I'm about to spit out the wrong words. And once in a while, I fool them. <laughs> I do it right. <laughs> ah, whoo, got you today. You see, we we need to offer ourselves up to God so that He can have all of us, not just part of us. And again, it's a standard, not not because you're a shouter or not a shouter, and that doesn't matter. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the willingness to be whatever God wants you to be. Because, again, you're not going to stand before the pastor when you get to heaven. And he's not going to say, well, you know, I'd let you in, but you just didn't shout enough. That's not going to happen. You're going to stand before God, and he's simply going to evaluate you based on his word, not on somebody's precept. I'm a shouter, okay? You know that. I love shouting. Some people aren't, that's okay, it's not about the shouting or the not shouting, it's about the heart after God. That's what he's looking at. He digs right through all the noise, and he digs right into the heart. That's what you're going to be judged on. That's the standard you need to bear. Did I keep the passion and the fire burning in my heart and in my life? The second thing we need to be true to, and, and I've heard people, and I've heard people that have said this. I've never heard a pastor say this, but I've heard people that have said, you don't need to look it up for yourself, you just trust what I'm telling you. That don't happen here. As a matter of fact, I expect you to look it up yourself. I expect you to study on your own. I expect you to want to know whether or not what I'm saying is actually in the book. Or is he just taking one scripture and is he just making a whole gospel out of it? Because I, I want you to know for yourself that it's real and that it's true. Scripture here, verse five, chapter five, verse, first part of 21 says, test everything. Pray about it. Read it for yourself. Seek it out. And then if you feel that I'm an heir, I want you to come talk to me about it. If you think I've said something or preached something that you don't understand or you don't believe in or you don't agree with, let's have a conversation. I've been wrong before. (laughs) And I've been right before. But we can have a conversation, whether I'm right or wrong, we can have a conversation. Believe me, you're not going to make me mad. But we can have a conversation. Maybe I can show you something and maybe you can show me something based on the Scripture, not on my opinion, not on your opinion, but on the Scripture. Let's look at the Scripture. Let's come up to our conclusion based on what the Word of God says. That should be our judge. Test it. Try it. We need to be true in our actions. 5, the end of verse 21 there, it says, Hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast to that which is good. Keep the fire burning. Test what you hear and what you see. But be true in your actions. Hold on to what's good. Hold on to what you know to be right. And then abstain from every form of evil. Or even, I I really like the King James Version of it where it says, even avoid the very appearance of evil. Because you may not even be doing anything wrong and somebody might see you. And I mean you can't always avoid that, don't get me wrong. You live your life in a shell and in a box if you try to. <laughs> but never purposely do something that would expose you to somebody thinking that you're doing something you shouldn't. Again, you can't you can't control everything around you. Don't don't even try. But what you can control, control. But definitely avoid those things that you know are wrong. Avoid those things that may lead you down the wrong path, even if on the outside they're not wrong in and of themselves. I'm a firm believer in, in a personal God, knowing what I need and what I should stay away from. Maybe what is a problem for me wouldn't be a problem for you, and what's a problem for you wouldn't be a problem for me. God, help me to do what I need to do for me and help everyone else to do what they need to do for them. You see, we know, we, we teach our kids right and wrong, don't we? You don't, you, know, you don't take something that's not yours. But how many times have you gotten home, and your kid has brought something home, stuck it in their pocket, tried to hide it, that wasn't theirs? Now, come on. I remember the first time I went to the grocery store with one of my, my cousins and he tried to get me to steal some candy. I'm like, I ain't not steal no candy. You know? I mean we're little kids. It was a super value there in Hamilton, burnt down now, but I don't it's like, what are you talking about? Stealing? He didn't grow up in church. I guess maybe his mom and dad never told him it wasn't good to steal. I ain't doing that. And I didn't do that. We walked out. Yeah, he says, look, I got some candy. I'm like, oh, my I remember the time we got home from the grocery store, and my brother had stolen some candy. You know where we went? Back to the grocery store. And my brother goes up to the counter and says, oh, I, you know. There wasn't an option. Now, does that mean we're going to be good from then on? What it does is it shows there's a right and a wrong in you, You need to hold on to what's right. I'm going to teach you and train you what's right. doesn't mean we're always going to follow it, does it? It doesn't mean your kids are going to act and do what you want them to. But we've got to hold on to what is good faithfully. You see, if we're going to show the nature of Christianity that it's different than the nature of the world, we've got to hold on to what's good. We've got to stand up for what's right. We've got to avoid the things in life that are evil. We need to learn not only what to do, but what to stop doing. We need to hold on and we need to let go. Come on. Don't you just love love it when we learn things like that? Learn, yeah. Got to hold on, and you got to let go. Come on, Pastor, you're confusing me. It's not that hard. Hold on to the good, get rid of the bad. You ever go somewhere to eat, and you get a plate, and you don't like everything that's on it? So what do you do? You hold on to the good, and you scrape. I got a, we got takeout from Mexican the other night, and I opened up the salad portion of it. I forgot to tell them no guacamole. Scrape that stuff right in the sink. My wife says, what happened to the salad? I said, she said, oh, it had guacamole on it, didn't it? I said, yeah. I said, got rid of that stuff. I held on to the steak, though, and the good stuff, but I got rid of the, the other. And we got to learn to do that in life. We've got to learn to teach our kids in life that it's okay to let go of some things. It's okay not to hang out with certain people. It's okay not to go certain places. It's okay not to involve ourselves in things of life that may be detrimental to our spiritual, physical, mental well-being. Hold on to what's good. You know I'm an A.G. boy. I am, I, you cut me and it probably, whatever colors bleed A.G., I am. I love the A.G., but let me tell you, it's not about the A.G. It's not about our standards. It's about God. I try, I sign a paper that says I will uphold the A.G. standards, and I'm proud, and I, I am. But that isn't getting me to heaven, <laughs> When I stand before God, He's not going to say, let me see your credential card. Let me see the form you filled out. I I want to see all the documentation. It's not based on that. It's based on this. My faithfulness to the Word of God is what gets me into heaven. The faith, your faithfulness to the Word of God is what gets you to heaven and teaching and training us how to avoid the things in life that will bring us down and how to grab a hold of the things in life that will lift us up. I happen to think this is a great church. I happen to think we teach and preach a great gospel because it's His gospel. But we aren't the end-all, be-all. God is. And any time we veer away from that, we're wrong because He's always right. There's never an instance where if there's a discrepancy between me and him, that an, I have an argument. <laughs> you know, sometimes with my wife I will argue. <laughs> try to get my point across. Try to convince her that even though I was wrong, I was really right. I don't have an argument with this. I can try to convince God that that's not fair. You make it too hard, God. I can't win it's his gospel it's his plan and I got so far off of this sermon this morning I don't even know where I'm at now 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 12 and 13 then I'm going to close thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it's weak you sin against Christ there if Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. You see, it's about our attitude towards God and his people. If we purposely cause someone to stumble, God is going to lay that to our charge. This is simply talking about people that didn't believe in eating meat and do it. And, and Paul says, listen if you go out to dinner and you know the person that's sitting beside you doesn't eat meat and you order the steak platter, that's, that's wrong. Well, pastor, there's nothing wrong with the steak platter. No, there's not. But when you're with that brother and that bothers him, lay off the meat, dude. Order a salad. That's simply the matter. It's just A matter of doing what's right, according to God's plan, not mine and not yours. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning I thank you that in my ramblings, God, that your word is still your word. And God, that's my point, and that's my desire, and that's my hope, that we will be true to you. Be true to your word. Be true to the passion that we should have for you. Be true, Lord God, to to soak up every word. Be true to test it, Lord. Whatever we hear, whatever we read from someone, Lord God, let it be from you. And Lord, to hold on to those things that your word declare are right and are good and to let go of those things that, that your word tells us and your spirit tells us we need to let go of. And God, there may be some in here this morning that are battling those very things. Maybe they've lost their passion for you. Maybe time has separated them from that passion. God, this morning, may they find that once again. Lord, this morning, maybe in our lives, we have just allowed things to cause us to get lazy. God, may you help us this morning. Lord, may we, with excitement, pick up your word and test the word that we've heard and test the sermon that we've heard and see if truly your word lines up with man's word. And if not, God, your word is always, without a question, supreme. God, give us the strength to walk out of this place and grab a hold and hold on tightly to what's good and to recognize the things in our lives, God. Maybe in here this morning, there are some that have things in their lives that have are bringing them down. Lord, give us the strength to let go and cut those things out of our lives, whatever they might be. If your head's bowed and your eyes closed this morning, as I close, I just want to give you this opportunity. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you haven't... You just haven't accepted Him and repented of your sin. Bible says if we ask forgiveness for our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, I want to do that today. I want to leave this place a new creation, a new person with a new heart, like the Word says you will have. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to close this service and pray with you. Would there be one this morning... This closing prayer, I want you to just ask God what it is that He was revealing to you in this sermon and ask Him to help you this week to work on that thing. Lord, this morning as we close, we leave this place, I thank You for Your Word. Your Word brings life. And God, may we leave this place and may this week You remind us of Your Word. May You tap us on the shoulder. May You speak to us. Gently or loudly, whatever it takes, Lord God, that we would uphold the standard and be true to your word. Lord, we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name. And bless you, you are dismissed.